Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is uh, getting into the mood for Christmas. Uh, Welcome one and all. I have a feeling there may be a few new listeners tonight because of our outstanding special guest. Uh, But in the meantime, before we get to her... It's uh, a warm welcome to my regular partner in crime, Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. Good evening, Paul. How are you doing? Um, I think it's almost been a nice thing for us, isn't it, not to do this podcast on our regular Monday slot. <laughs> I know, Move right? it to Wednesday, let us all calm down a bit, let that sadness, that sort of Monday sadness we're accustomed to flow out of our veins. And by Wednesday, we're all a little bit more cheery, I think, aren't we? Are you cheery? Is that, is that well, anger? Cheery might be a bit of a... <laughs> a bit of a... Uh, an overstatement, I think, especially now I've sort of sat here looking at the stats of the Bengals-Cowboys game, ready to sort of have a chat with you about it. But for the time being, it's nearly Christmas, in it? It's been a tough year for everyone. I think the, the break, some nice festivities, a few beers, a few cheeky bits of food, I think will go down well for everyone. How about yourself, my son? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. My mum... Because uh, I, regular listeners who don't know, um, I've uh, moved back in with my mum for a bit uh, because of the lockdown, because of just life stuff, really, just thinking about what's going on and trying to save some money. And and luckily, I'm able to work remotely, so that's all cool. And my mum just kind of said, literally before this podcast, I fancy a bit of chocolate. Can you open one of the Christmas box of chocolates in the cupboard? So my mum's already broken open the chocolates. I can't believe it really we're we're... break the the chocolates open first of december son i reckon well i've got a friend on twitter who's already eaten a couple of uh boxes of after eights she's polished off a couple of bags of nuts uh we're not even a week there's no it's more than a week to go before christmas nathan son i've got i've got i've got a massive recommendation on the subject of chocolate go on then i know what you're gonna say i know what you're gonna say because i follow you on instagram I it is say, like, I was there, like I was there. Cocaine. Honestly, I haven't been drinking as much recently. Just been it's just eating chocolate. Say that again? You've just been eating chocolate instead of drinking. Well, basically. no, because, I, I, you know, I'm at home, you know, you can't go out as much. So I've been, you know, I just thought, oh, I'm not going to drink as much. But this is what always happens. You slow down your alcohol intake, your sugar intake goes up. <laughs> I'm obsessed by Tony's chocolate in particular, the salted caramel flavour. It's outrageous, mate. You put it on your tongue, it's just like, it's got that nice saltiness to it. It's got a great chocolate taste. It just leaves you wanting more. I can't tell you how much I like it. It's it's quite expensive as well, so I feel like they're mugging me off a bit, like four quid a bath, sometimes 450. Like It's a lot of dough, but, oh, I love it, mate. Um, New listeners will kind of, be uh hearing this for the first time thinking what the hell is going on here yes we do like to sprinkle our podcast with drink and food recommendations uh so apologies really we will get to our special guest and that special guest i'll say it now is the one and only uh she plays for manchester city we've kind of crossed doing a bit of a cross sport thing tonight she plays for manchester city she is a us of a international she is a world cup winner and uh, she is also 
uh, from Cincinnati. Her name is Rose Lavelle, uh, and she'll be coming up a little bit later. Delighted to talk to her, and she's fantastic value, so stick around for that. The first World Cup winner on Cincinnati. What a what, uh, honour Well, yeah, is. well, we've had, I mean, we've spoken to Bengals players before, and frankly, and with all due respect, I don't think we've ever spoken to any world champions before, have we? Um, we never had a Super Bowl winner on Cincinnati. I'm going to have to think about this. I don't think we have. But we have had an Olympic gold uh, medalist. And, of course, uh, the incredible Tommy Smith was on our podcast earlier this year when the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement sprung into action, or back into action, I should say. Uh, and that was a real thrill to have Tommy on. But, uh, yeah, to have Rose on, it's... Um, it's great, and she, she will be coming up shortly. But more importantly, back to the chocolate. So basically, about two years ago, my mate moved to uh, Sweden, and he said he started going on about this chocolate called Tony Chocoloni, and I thought, what a fantastic name for a for a chocolate manufacturer because it sounds like something the Sopranos would make. Hey, Tony, Tony Chocoloni, what the f***? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And um, so I started getting it, and it was great because it's chunky, it's big, it's 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 a naughty size. That's the problem. It it's is. Like, it is a it's naughty too, size. It's too be like big to just have it all in one go. But then there's no real like because it's like it's not just like your like your bog standard like dairy milk where every square is the same size. It gets a bit bit a bit exciting, a bit advanced. Like the squares, some squares are bigger than others. Some are different shapes, and you just don't know where's like a, a like a reasonable point to finish. So you end up just having three quarters at a bar, and then you're like, "Well, there's only a little bit left." Oh, it's just it's responsible for at least a few pounds of weight gain in the last two months for me, I would say. Yeah, it is good stuff. And uh, but I only found out that it's actually called Tony's Chocolate Lonely, like a couple of weeks ago, and I was a bit disappointed to be honest. Uh, it wasn't called Tony Chocolate Lonely; it was Tony's Chocolate Lonely. So yeah. uh, anyway, let's get Tony on this podcast, Mister Chocolate Mr. Chocolony, honestly, I'd just get him on and then see what we see what we can do. But maybe some sponsorship opportunities with Tony. Tony, if you're listening, you're rubbing your hands with glee already. I can, I can feel I'll be it. About, I'll be about twenty-four stone if Tony <laughs> sponsoring this podcast. Absolutely. Um, right. Let's let's go. Let's go back to what people tune into this podcast for, or not, as the case may be. Maybe the, no one wants to hear about the uh, the American football at the moment because it's pretty. Dreadful, isn't it? Really, let's face it. I was I was appalled on Sunday. We? I was just I was just uh, it's, I really thought we'd win because they're so poor, Dallas. They really are. They only won three games before they played us. They're coming off about a three day rest, which is three or four day rest, which is unheard of in NFL terms for someone to play a game. What was it? Tuesday, Wednesday night they played, then a roll in for an away game against us on the Sunday. Virtually no preparation time. Got beaten as well, Dallas, in that game against the Ravens midweek. They come in and play us and just lay 30 on us. Beat us by 23 points. The spread was only about three points. Lay 23 on us against the spread. It's just so poor, isn't it? It's just how, how many ways can we find to lose games? I mean, we outdid them on yards. You know, I really think on most days we could have had them. They're not; they're a really poor team. Like with the greatest respect to Andy Dalton, they are, Dallas are a bad team. Their lines terrible. Their defense is pretty awful. I mean, we were moving the ball. If all those fumbles had just turned into field goals or touchdowns for us, we'd probably win that game. But there's only so many like 
of these games you can take where you just keep finding ways to lose, be it individual errors, team errors, game planning, whatever goes into a very complex, advanced NFL game with all the different facets of it, we just cannot find a winning formula whatsoever. Well, you know, I, I was watching that game in more more disbelief, really. I mean, three fumbles in the opening three possessions. That's unheard of. And you kind of knew after that that game had gone. Uh, and yet, by the third quarter or fourth quarter, I thought, oh, you know, if we there was we'd driven back down into their red zone again, and I think it was like fourth and something from within the inside the ten yard line, maybe just outside the ten yard line. And Brandon Allen, bless him, who had been nursing and struggling through a bad leg on that drive, he was limping all over the place. So he was uh, shows you what they think of Ryan Finley if they they want to keep Brandon Allen in half. Uh, on one leg, basically, uh, in that... Uh, he's taken that. a beat in any Brandon Allen since he's come in. I mean, he was nearly... No- he was knocked out of the game before, and he's he's getting a right kick in the mm. geezer. And yet he showed pretty pretty admirable amounts of toughness uh, on that drive, especially. And But that fourth down throw, it was like, where's, where's that? He sort of chucked it out the back of the uh, left-hand corner of the end zone. And you're thinking... Well, okay, you've got a bad leg, and I understand that perhaps throwing might be difficult because of what, you know putting your weight on a particular leg or whatever. But really, that 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 kind of went nowhere. It sailed away, and um, and I think at that moment you thought that that was it, really. And then Ryan Finley came in on fourth down. I mean, I think they went for it on fourth down on their sort of twenty-ish yard line, didn't they? And Finley came in first snap, sacked. Third snap, sacked. And that, or was it the fourth down? I can't remember, but it was. It's all a bit of a blur, really. He got sacked basically within about three or four snaps twice, and uh, that. And then they went down and scored to make it thirty points to seven. It was infuriating, really, because as you say, I thought we actually take away those fumbles uh, and take away that last touchdown because we went for it on fourth down with Ryan Finley inside our own thirty-yard line. Um, uh, you know, take away that touchdown, we could have easily won that game. And that's what makes it extra infuriating. You know what I mean? I thought the defence did okay. Um, I thought Brandon Allen played pretty well in that first half, actually. And again, I think there was like the Alex Erickson fumble inside their red zone. Uh, was I think that was the third and final fumble, wasn't it? Because there was Bernard, there was Travion Williams, and then there was Alex Erickson. That was a killer because I think, you know, we were on... You know, we we were going to score some points there, so it was, yeah. I don't know. Just as you I, say, I, finding 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 new horrific ways to lose. Really, I I just I, I admire your sense of positivity there, my son. I really do, but I I really I really strongly disagree. I just thought it was really poor. I think Dallas are a really bad team, and I think whichever way we dress it up to give up thirty points at home to a team with a backup quarterback terrible O-line, coming off of three or four days rest. And, you know, at home, we've got to be better than that. The defence didn't cause any turnovers at all in that game. We've got we gave two up sacks, though, Nathan. Two. Two sacks. Yeah, I mean, Come on. You know, that's how low the bar is set, isn't it? And no. I just, ultimately, you come out of that game. If we'd won that game, ironically, we'd have had more wins than Dallas with three and a half <laughs> yeah. versus their three. 
it's probably, you know, all the draft guys will say, well, it's a good thing. We've basically locked in that third pick now, the third overall pick, which is, you know, a nice consolation surprise, I suppose. But it's just so poor. And I think every week on the pod, and everyone's heard us say this over and over and over, we look for progress. We want to see with this coaching staff what's going on. And I read that to me again. And the last couple of weeks, I think in particular, basically ever since Joe Burrow's gone down, it's been one slap after the face to the other. And since he's gone down, I've seen not even nothing. It's been it's been absolutely shocking. And I can't I, disagree with that, you know. Um Yeah. I just think there's no I think if you if you Zach Taylor without Joe Burrow had strung together maybe a win against Dallas and some spirited performances against people like Miami and maybe against the Steelers and Ravens, you even run them close. Maybe, God forbid, even sneak a win out of one of them or the Texans maybe. They're not a great side. But to just get beaten by Washington, hammered by Dallas at home, you know, we got out with an awful game against Miami the week before for whatever reasons, just very, very ugly, both on and off the field there. It's just really bad. And I think we you, you'll probably say this because I know you watched it. I saw a little bit of Zach Taylor's interview. Oh, he, was a, he was a broken man. I mean, he looked like he needed a Tony's, uh, Tony's Chocoloni bar himself there. He, wa- he, was, ta- he was Tony Chocoloni, wasn't he, basically? <laughs> but I have to say, I think without those fumbles, we would have been uh, pretty close with Dallas. I know that, again, that's not true. Because they're a bad team, man. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, but they if, shouldn't be Dallas. Could, I mean, they would have should. I mean, if we'd scored three touchdowns, we'd won. But, like, you know, it's doing it, isn't it? Like, mm. I remember when we said to Carson Palmer on the podcast, like, oh, if you hadn't got injured in that game, like, you yeah, know, we always yeah, yeah. that sort of could have, would have, if Jeremy Hill didn't fumble, we're just going to own up. Dallas could have scored two more touchdowns on us, you know, in that respect, and it could have been 40, um, four to seven. I mean, I just think we've got to give what we were served, and it was it was awful. <laughs> I, that, well, I really I, can't I, sort of, I didn't. I didn't think it was awful i thought they played okay and i know people out there are going to accuse me of throwing a bunch of glitter on a turd but um i didn't think they were awful i really didn't i thought they were moving the ball nicely um but you know you you fumble three times in on your first three possessions one of which is in the uh, red zone and i think the other one was was in uh maybe maybe not as i say it's, we're recording this on the wednesday so I've already kind of blocked everything out from the Dallas game, really. But I do maintain that, you know, they played okay. Their run defence is a lot better. But one thing that isn't better, their third quarters are just appalling. And Jay Morrison tweeted out a stat the other day. Uh, Okay, this is the Bengals' third quarter point since week five, okay? At Baltimore, zero. At Indianapolis, three. Cleveland at home, three. Nothing against the Titans, which is a game we won. Uh, nothing at Pittsburgh. No point. Nil point against Washington. Nil point against the Giants. Nothing against Miami. And nothing against Dallas. We've scored in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In nine games, we've scored six points in the third quarter. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, really. Yeah, it's uh, you, you question. I mean, I think when Zach Taylor sort of kicked off last year, people were praising the fact that they thought that there were some actual halftime adjustments being made and that was something that Marvin got a lot of criticism for. But certainly when you're reading out stats like that and you're trying to compare them to what adjustments are being made at halftime, looking at um, those performances, it's hard to 
really think that anything effective is happening at halftime. On the contrary, other teams seem to be able to sort of figure out what we're doing, get in the locker room, adapt, and then give it to us pretty hard in the second half. So there's got to be something done with that because that's a real, you know, the, the third quarter is the, where you want to set the tone for where, you know, sort of set yourself up for winning a game. And if we're getting six points in nine games, you, you're going to struggle to do that. Uh, let's move on from Dallas. Although it was quite cool to see Dalton back. He played well, I think, without being spectacular. Lovely to see JJ back. And if you saw uh, her Instagram feed, she was mixing it up with all the um, uh, the Bengals players' wives in the suites. And I think they were having a fine old time. And why wouldn't you if you came back to to beat out your old team uh, 30 points to seven? So it was cool to see Dalton back, I think. And he got a good reception as well. They've got great skill players, Dallas, haven't they? I, and I just think that their line struggles a bit. But with Cooper, Lamb, Gallup's quite a good player. Obviously, Elliot, you know, I think he may be carrying a bit of a knock. But I I mean, I, I think Dak Prescott will probably be back next year and it's a muted argument. But the Cowboys had a slightly better line. You'd love to see what Dalton could do there. But I mean, I don't know. He, he's just sort of cracking on the geese. I mean, I'm, I'm sure secretly, as nice of a guy as he is, he'll be quite happy to <laughs> yeah, sneak yeah. a win under his hat with everything that happens. So, fair play to the geezer. I still think underneath it all, he's a psychopath. <laughs> I do. I think it's a proper Breaking Bad scenario. Uh, he's, he's, too, he's like the nicest guy in the world on camera then. What do you reckon he'd be like with a pint, Andy Dawn? We've met the geezer and he was lovely. But do you reckon he's a geezer that has a few pints and lets it go? I no. Do you reckon he gets drunk, <laughs> no. he gets drunk Andy Dawn? Like, could you imagine him like having a bit, having a bit of a cheeky Saturday? I reckon he'd he'd get well into karaoke. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's a karaoke boy. Soon as Coldplay comes on that karaoke, he's there, and you're not going to drag him off. Give him a few uh, hooches and a few alka pops or white claws. Um, he's going to be. He's, he, you wouldn't be able to drag him off. He strikes me as a geezer, Andy Dalton, that would love a game of that cornhole that they play out in the States yeah, at a family right. barbecue. Like, I can imagine him love it being in his element. Yeah. A family barbecue, the kids running around him, him sort of like embarrassing everyone else at cornhole with his accuracy and everything else. And then sort of having a couple of cheeky pints, but like not letting it, not letting it get silly. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't like you, other Bengals players, like Tyler Eifert, I can imagine him getting out of hand in some nightclubs down in Florida and like up in Cincinnati in the bar having a good time. Like he strikes me as that sort of geezer. I can imagine CJ's armour as well being a being a bit of a good laugh on a night out. But Dalton, I just think, a bit of a more of a reserved man. You know what I mean? Yeah, but maybe get a few white claws into them. He's going to be I think yeah. he's starting fights. I think he's throwing karaoke microphones at everyone i think he's shattered taylor in about two months time i think it's i think it's tops off i think it's like standing in fountains i think it's you know all sorts of things anyway we digress as we we do uh so yes welcome to cincinnati if this is your first time i keep saying that because we do uh expect some new listeners to uh be tuning in for this episode precisely because of our special guest and that is uh, 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 United States Soccer International and World Cup winner and of course proud Cincinnati and Rose Lavelle she'll be coming up very shortly um, and uh, just a few other notices uh, our uh, advent calendar our online advent calendar continues 
lots more Bengals fans from around the UK will be uh, contributing between now and Christmas Eve. Uh, we've also got two days left of our charity raffle and you can uh, win a signed uh, copy of a uh, Bengals 2019 NFL draft poster that's been produced by the legendary Hat Show Print Shop in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. It's fantastic. It's got all, more or less all the rookies have signed it and it's a really rare thing. And there's also uh, an unsigned version up for grabs and also a Bengals cap. So it's a charity raffle. You can check it out on our social feeds at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook. You have until Thursday the 17th of December to enter. Tickets are £2.50 each. Even if you don't like the look of the prizes there, why not buy a ticket or two because uh, all the proceeds go to a really fantastic charity uh, and that is Action for Children's Secret Santa Initiative, which is basically helping uh, vulnerable and uh, underprivileged kids in the UK, sorting them out with a Christmas present, a Christmas gift, or um, giving them a meal on Christmas Day, or even providing a roof over their heads uh, over the Christmas period. So any money that you can uh, spare, I know it's really difficult at this time of year, but also add in what's happened this year. I know it's really, you know, cash is really strapped. But if you can uh, fire in and tip in, you know, a fiver or a tenner, whatever you can afford, that'd be fantastic. And I say all the proceeds go to... Action for Children's Secret Santa Initiative. Well, if that doesn't make you feel Christmassy, I don't know what does, Nathan. What what does make you feel Christmassy? What 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 is the moment around this time when you think, ah, yes, I feel you know festive. Do you know what I enjoy the last couple of years I got into is playing um, Wham Roulette. So you, it's like you can't listen to you play it with a group of people and you can't listen to last christmas by wham if it comes on and you hear it comes on where though like the radio or what it doesn't matter if you could be in a shop you could be in a restaurant bar in anywhere if you hear last christmas by wham you're out so it's who can go the longest without hearing last christmas by wham but how but but if you're not together how how can you You just have to be honest so like you know last year for example i was in greece in athens airport thinking i was more than safe randomly it's come on there so i was out but it's always good fun every year and so far i think obviously covid this year has made it much more difficult to not be out and about as much to hear it out but that's always something that i have a good laugh with at christmas um what else do i love i mean i love being in pubs at christmas there's nothing better than being in a pub at christmas yeah yeah well, I missed that, but um, what about yourself, Sonny? You much yeah, um, yeah, I love Christmas. I absolutely get into it. I love it, and uh, I just think it's it's sort of a quarter Christmas this year, isn't it? Because obviously everybody's well, most people are going to be taking it easy, and the you know you've got twenty guests coming around. I heard. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, well, if they are, I think they're going to have to be uninvited with all the uh, Christmas stuff going on in the UK at the moment. Um, yeah, it's going to be a funny old time. But yeah, it's just going to be me and my mom. I don't think we're going to risk anything. We're just going to Zoom some family members. We're going to cook some really nice food and drink some nice drink. And uh, we're going to get the Trivial Pursuit out. That's showing my age a little bit, I guess. But uh, yeah, I love Christmas. And like you, I, there's something really special about 
meeting mates in pubs during Christmas, I think, because uh, obviously they all, they all get you know the sparkly lights out and they all have Christmas trees up and and whatnot. And uh, yeah, there's something you know having a few cheeky mulled wines uh, and uh, cheeky sambuca shots for you, my son. God, I'm not a fan of sambuca to be honest with you. No, it's not the best, is it? No, no. You love a bit of rum, didn't you, from our days I, together, Danny Kenny? I remember you getting some shots of rum. Yeah, and of course, last last year I made that cocktail for us both when we were, you know, recording Ooh, yeah. the podcast in the same room during our Christmas podcast. We, um, I made that sort of apple pie. Oh yeah, cocktail, didn't I? I think we were a bit quite sweet. That was, but it's quite strong as well. <laughs> I know. I think we we're a little bit tiddly. Um but yeah, I do love Christmas, and uh, I'm going to do a few things that hopefully make it a bit sort of Christmassy. Um, and at least keep the spirit alive, and then hopefully in the next two, three, four months, we can all meet up as family and friends again, you know. Um, let's hope for that in the new year, eh? Amen. Uh, okay, well, uh, shall we bring our special guest in, Nathan? Let's do it. Uh, here's Rose. As promised. Well, I did say last week that we have got some festive treats coming up for you, and one of them... Well, uh, it's not often we get World Cup winners on the on the podcast. I think this might be a first, actually. But we do have one now. Joining us is Manchester City forward, United States international, World Cup winner, and more importantly, from Cincinnati, Ohio, it is Rose Lavelle. Rose, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? See, I was almost shouting there, but you're like, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? You're <laughs> quite relaxed about it all. Uh, there's been a huge response to this uh, since we put it out on social media. Um, and I, I really think that uh, women's soccer has grown incredibly over the past couple of years, and especially last year when the World Cup was shown on terrestrial TV over here, prime time. Um, when you were going through that incredible run to lift the trophy last year in France, um, did you have an idea that, that the status of the game was growing and rising and people were watching it on, on, on primetime TV and getting really invested in it, like really enjoying the, the tournament? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when we were like in the games that we played in, um, there was always like a huge crowd and um, shout out to all the US, the US fans because there was a, like almost every game was a home game for us pretty much aside from I'd say the France game just because there were so much US fans. So um, I think when we were at the World Cup, we definitely like while we were there, we could feel the support. Um, but then coming home and like being able to celebrate with everybody back home after we won, um, I think I realized on like a whole nother level how much support we had back home just mm. um, at the parade, at like all the celebrations. It, it was so cool. And um, yeah, I think it, it's, it's been cool to see women's football be continue to like grow. And I think it's kind of here to stay. I feel like sometimes you see um, during the World Cup years, there's that like big buzz and excitement, but then it kind of dies down a little while after the World Cup. But I feel like the momentum has just continued to like skyrocket. And I think it's, it's here to stay. Um, before we talk about Cincinnati, while we're on the world cup, when did you, I mean, you obviously had a terrific team and, and um, you know, players in your team 
like uh, you know Alex Morgan and uh, Megan Rapino and all those guys were, were really became household names over here, as, as did you. And obviously, we took a special interest in you, if that doesn't sound too weird, because of your your roots and where you're from. Um, when, when abouts in the tournament did you think, hold on a minute, we've got a really good chance of winning this? Was there a moment? Was there a match? Was there a, uh, I don't know, was there a feeling? When, when did that kind of change? Um, I mean, honestly, I think, at, like, we go into every tournament thinking we have a really good chance of winning this. And I think it's just about kind of um, staying focused. And um, I said this on uh, just a second ago that um, it's like kind of about not getting too high on your highs or too low on your low. So we just kind of had to take it one game at a time and um, be willing to win ugly, win pretty, whatever it is. Like the goal was to win the next game, win the game and then, quickly reset and focus on the next one. So um, honestly, I think like right from the get go, we had that in our minds and we were all like on the same page and knew, knew what we wanted to do and what we needed to do to make that happen. And looking back, I mean, a hell of a lot has happened in the world since last summer. Um, do you still look back and do you have a favorite, you mean you scored three goals in that tournament, right? So that was pretty cool for a start and you lifted the, the trophy. That's quite cool. Um, but do you have a little favorite moment that you will always cherish? Oh, um, I mean, the celebrations were so fun. I think like when the final whistle blew in the finals, um, it was just like, we had been together for so long, like, at that point it had been like over two months that we had been together. Um, and there's so much like build up and anticipation. So for the whistle to blow and be like, Oh my gosh, like we did it. Um, and just to be able to celebrate with everybody on the field. And then um, our family and friends section was like right by our bench. So we got to go see our parents and like loved ones on the field. And like, I got to hug my parents right on the field. And um, that, that was really special. Uh, I mentioned uh, a lot has happened, and a lot has happened to you this year. I keep wanting to talk about Cincinnati, but I'm, I'm leading up to that, I think. <laughs> um, um, you you got transferred from, was it the OL Reign? Is that right? Or you, you, were, you were owned by Washington, right? And then you got traded, I think, to... to... Yeah, my rights got traded to right. um, OL Reign, yeah. And then you got transferred to Manchester City. Uh, was that a huge decision to come over here or is that something that was just hugely excited you and playing in England was something that you'd always wanted to do? Um, both, honestly, I think. I knew I had wanted to play overseas at some point and be able to experience um, kind of a different playing style, a different culture, um, all of it, like on and off the field. And um, this felt like the right time. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've I've been... I've been very happy. It's ha it's kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone and has really made me like grow as a player and a person. And um, it was definitely like a, it was a big decision because I am such a homebody. Um, so to not just be like a quick flight from home um, was like kind of my hesitation. But um, then at the same time, I was like, OK, if that's like the only reason that like is holding me back, then I need to just bite the bullet into it 
and you did it at a heck of a time in the middle of a global pandemic. And I mean, how's it been really? I mean, uh, I guess the pandemic pandemic has added an extra layer of logistical weirdness and just weirdness in general. But how's it how's it been? Have you found much of a culture shock? Because I've always found uh, the UK and the US are the same, but kind of different as well. And um, each country has its own cultural references and quirks, but the kind, there's a lot of similarities there, basically. Have you found that? How have you settled and how are you enjoying life in, in England? Yeah, I mean, um, we've been on lockdown and obviously um, kind of have to try to stay safe and not um, be out and about too much. So I don't feel like I've really gotten to explore and like fully um, get the like English experience um, but it's, it's been great so far and, um, it's not too much of a culture shock. Um, obviously everyone for the most part speaks English over here. So like that wasn't, that wasn't too bad for me. Um, yeah, it, it's been good. The weather, I was expecting it to be way worse, <laughs> I have to say, but I love it. It's been great. Okay. It's just like perpetually fall. Okay. Well, you wait till January and February. That's when the fun really begins. So, <laughs> um, well, we've got to talk about Cincinnati. That's, I mean, frankly, why you're here. Um, well, it's not really because you're an amazing football player. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, but yeah, I mean, our interest and why we rooted for you, even when you beat England in the semi-final, but we won't talk about that. Uh, why we rooted for you was because of your Cincinnati heritage. And I'm interested in your upbringing. Was it always soccer for you? Because Cincinnati... Is, is quite a, a famous, storied, for better or for worse, uh, sports town, right? So uh, what, what was your involvement in sport growing up? And uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, why you went the way of soccer. Um, I started playing soccer when I was five. I think my older sister started playing and I kind of just copied whatever she did. Um, yeah, we didn't have like, soccer didn't like necessarily run in the family me and my sister just kind of picked it up and went with it and um now obviously my family's like huge soccer fans they love watching it and um watching all of our games um yeah played a little basketball growing up um i don't know what else did you did you um follow baseball did you follow the reds did you follow the bengals were you a fan Let's talk about that, your connections, if you have any, to the Bengals. Um, yeah, I'm like literally a Cincinnatian through and through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I cheer for the Reds. I cheer for the Bengals. I'm a Xavier fan. Um, and I am just like the proudest Cincinnati resident. Like I, it like makes my heart just swell talking about Cincinnati. So I'm like in my happy place right now. So, okay, let's talk about where about, whereabouts in the city did you, did you grow up? Um, like, uh, Indian Hillish area. So okay, like about right. 15 minutes from downtown. So did, you, I, I mean, that's pure. Cincinnati? I guess I should ask. Sorry, say again. Did you live in Cincinnati? I did not. No, 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 no. I, I, I've just supported the team for like 30 years and um, oh, wow. I've been a few times. So I, I won't say I know Indian Hills, but I've maybe been through there once, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably uh, have. Um, so let me guess, you grew up 
I guess, as a Bengals fan, in the Marvin Lewis era, we talking sort of Chad Johnson and we talking TJ Hushmanzada. Are we talking Carson Palmer? Yes, yeah. So did you have a favourite out of those guys? Um, yeah, I have an Ocho Cinco jersey. Okay. And is it true that you've got a, you've got a sweatshirt, a Bengals shirt there with you? Is that right? Um, yes, of course. I have a nice little black sweatshirt that says Bengals across. <laughs> so you carry a piece of the Bengals with you wherever you go. That's so cool. You have to. I, I, I want people to know where I'm from wherever I go. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, so what was it about Chad that you loved? Was it, I mean, I think everybody loved him because of his exuberance and his kind of showmanship and... Yeah, honestly, I think, th I think that was it. I just thought he, like, seemed like a funny guy and um, good player, too. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I liked his name switch to Ocho Cinco, made for a cool jersey. I don't mm. know. I was, like, young, so I didn't really have, like, great reasons, but... Yeah. That's good enough reasons, I think, because that's why <laughs> most people love Chad, I, I think. Um, do you... I mean, you must keep in touch with your family back home and... and um, I mean, how do, I mean, do you get kind of, how do you, apart from keeping in touch with your family and keeping your roots strong, do you get like Skyline or Gold Star shipped out to you? How do you, is that the thing that you miss most? What do you miss most about Cincinnati? Yeah. Skyline, it's always my first stop whenever I come back from the, um, from like wherever I am. So, um, I, I'm coming home for Christmas and that's, that is what I will be having for dinner the very first night is Skyline Chili. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I miss that so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's like so many, uh, the other thing that I really like right now, college basketball season's going on. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the NFL, the NFL is a little different cause we play in the afternoons on Sunday. So it's a little yeah. easier to watch the games, but the time change here is just, killing how i watch sports <laughs> because it's always in the middle of the night and right. i just well tell us about it tell us about it i mean we've got the monday night game against the steelers coming up um so you know i mean that's gonna mean if we can stomach uh playing the steelers on monday night football the way we're playing at the moment i mean that's gonna be like two in the morning you know what i mean so yeah. what do you, you say after them uh occasionally when i can but i'll be working the next day so i I can't take these late nights anymore, Rose. I really, I find it really difficult. But some people will be guaranteed, you know. But talk to us about that. I mean, do you, do you say you, you're able to watch the NFL games here, the, the early games, the one o'clock games, because they're around six o'clock. Um, and of course, Xavier and the Bearcats played, was it last week? Yeah. And did, remind me, did Xavier win that game? Yeah. Okay. I kind of knew that what your answer was going to be because you had a massive smile on your face. Yes, I was so pumped. I got to watch that game. That was good timing. Okay. On, on a Sunday in the afternoon. So why why Xavier over UC? Did you go there or? Um, my grandpa, so my dad's dad, played and coached football there um, back when they had a team. Yeah. So my dad has just always been a fan, um, and his family's always been a fan so then he just passed that on to me and my siblings and now we're all just like Xavier basketball fanatics. Wow this is so crazy talking to someone who's so into Cincinnati stuff but over here playing for Manchester City I mean have you tried to recruit any of your teammates uh, to support some of the Cincinnati teams? 
Oh, I mean, definitely. We actually have a, um, a player on our team who, who's, like, actually really into the NFL, I just learned, okay. um, Esme Morgan. But she's a, a Jaguars fan. Well, at least it's not Steelers, right? That's yeah, I know. Point. I was like, Steelers okay, you, you get a pass. But, um, no, I'm, I've recently been telling people that uh, Cincinnati's the eighth wonder of the world. And some people have believed me. Um, <laughs> it's just like the best place ever. I just love it so much. Well, well okay. We're going to wrap this up in a minute. And you've been fantastic with your time. Uh, what is it about Cincinnati that you love? What is it? Does it, is it, does it have a special feeling? Is it its location on the, the banks of the River Ohio? Is it the people? What, what is it that makes it such a special place, do you think? I think Cincinnati is like a place that if you grow up there like everybody that lives in Cincinnati for the most part is from Cincinnati and like grew up there so there's just like this big community and it's like a big city but kind of like small town feels because you just like there's so many different like things that make Cincinnati Cincinnati like the I don't know if you know the um the whole deal with the high schools have you ever heard of this no please tell us oh it's just that like everybody asks you where where you went to school and they ask you like where you they're asking you like where you went to high school um people always think like if you come to Cincinnati people like where you go to school and people would assume that they're talking about college but in Cincinnati they're talking about high school because everybody is like so gung-ho on their high schools right so that like there's just I don't I don't know I I don't even know if I can put into words but there's just so many special things that make Cincinnati like great and um obviously like the people's probably the biggest one i think um what makes home so, so special is like the people there mm. um and all my friends and family are still there just a quick question before i let you go rose what are you going to be doing for christmas because i i was maybe expecting you because of a soccer player's life you know you play and especially the fixture congestion generally uh, over the holiday period in the uk um players are playing over the holiday period but what what is your plan uh for christmas um we get a little break during christmas so um i'm gonna get to go home which i'm so excited for obviously um and yeah i'll just kind of be laying low and hanging with my family and um just chilling and what happens on christmas day in the lavelle household have you got any strange traditions or are you just straight down the line you eat good food you drink nice drink you hang out you have fun that kind of thing um yeah we usually get together with my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family we'll go to church but obviously i things are going to look a lot different this year so i'm sure it'll probably just be my like siblings and parents will probably keep it um obviously like a lot smaller because yeah there's a global pandemic going on well yeah 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 uh well whatever you do uh stay safe and uh have a fantastic time rose it's such a uh, such a pleasure to meet you you're you're such a great player and and i know a lot of people were so stroked stoked to hear that we could get you on so thank you so so much uh, it's been lovely to talk to you oh well thank you for having me and thank you for letting me talk about cincinnati <laughs> love that here we go uh as promised the brilliant fantastic uh really lovely i have to say uh rose lavelle and what a treat it was uh to talk to her and a big thank you to emma at manchester city for uh making that happen 
and enduring all my, I wouldn't say daily emails of little reminders, but also uh, perhaps more like weekly, perhaps sort of like maybe twice a month, something like that, because, you know, I've been trying for a while. And kudos to Matt Moon as well, one of our uh, followers and friends and part of the group. Um, he's a big uh, women's soccer fan. And as soon as Rose signed for Manchester City, he messaged me thinking, hey, maybe... Maybe she might be good for the podcast. So um, uh, I've been trying throughout the autumn and it's been difficult to pin Rose down because uh, apparently there's another uh, American international place in Man City and that's Samantha Mewis. Uh, and I think both of them are in, you know, the demand for those guys from the media is just through the roof. So I'm really delighted that they were able to fit us in. And obviously, you know, it's a little, we're a little fan group thousands of miles away from Cincinnati. Uh, so, we, you know, we're kind of quite low down on the pecking order. Uh, but I'm delighted. I thought it was lovely to talk to her. And you could just see she was she was absolutely... <laughs> or here, rather, she was absolutely itching to talk about Cincinnati. It was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have her. To know she's a Bengals fan as well. And Chad was one of her favorite players um a great get and a, a great guest on the podcast so thank you so much uh to rose yeah 100 percent. did you did you get into i mean it's interesting is the rise of women's football um it's really being taken seriously now and there's no reason why it shouldn't uh shouldn't have been taken seriously right from the start but do you know what i mean it's it seems to have transcended gender in terms of audience now all kinds of people all kinds of ages uh, are really into it. And I think, uh, as I said during the interview, I think that World Cup last year for the UK especially, it was the games were on uh, the main terrestrial channel, BBC One, on prime time. He just got the impression that loads of people were really, really into it and really enjoyed the tournament. 100%. I think you put the football on TV, people love watching football, didn't they? They love watching sport. It doesn't matter who's playing, age, gender, whatever. It's People love watching sport. And I think the more coverage that... Uh, women's football's got recently has been a great thing it's you know nice to see a new sport or not a new sport sorry but a new um to see a new get you know to open up women's football to a new audience and get it in front of um people on different channels there's various channels i know sky have done a bit of it there's a couple of like bt sport have got quite a lot of the games on and stuff like that um so it's fantastic and it's good to see and i think when people watch it and they give it a chance ultimately they're watching a good game of football so i think it's not been too difficult for people to get on board and i, I hope the popularity continues to rise yeah i agree and uh, rose is a big deal and uh, certainly when i put it out on social media uh earlier on this week because I, I as everyone knows i'm loath to put on our guests because uh we've had some fantastic ones in the past we've had zach taylor and carlos dunlap and you know, Tyler Boyd and Jesse Bates. Sam White. Sam White. Coach Zach Taylor, did I say him already? Um, uh, Carson Palmer, TJ Hushmanzada, Dave Lapham, all these fantastic people. Ken Anderson, several times. Um, so, you know, I but I, nothing's confirmed really until you you know, the guest picks up his or her phone and uh, I, you know, I just don't like jinxing it really but I knew this was a was in the bag, so I did put it out there on social media, and the re the response was absolutely phenomenal. People were really excited about it, so I do hope uh, you enjoyed our chat with Rose. Uh, as ever during this uh, podcast, uh, we do like to hear from our uh, 
uh, our followers, uh, those Bengals fans in the UK uh, that get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, we have some correspondence to get through. And can you guess the mood of the fans, Nathan? Nice and sprightly, everyone in a great mood, excited about the future, wanting to talk about how positive they feel with the direction of the team. <laughs> uh, no, um, it's really quite the opposite. But I, I quite like these messages because they all start off really uh, angry and disenchanted. And then at the end, they're like, oh, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's start. Matt Gibbs at Wakey Round. Paul and Nathan, season's greetings and thank you for your sterling efforts. Top podcast, great fun, lose or rarely win. Who day, boys, and have a great one. F the Steelers and F Zach. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Shawnee at Shawnee01. Merry Christmas to the two of you and all who listen. It's been an interesting year showcasing both the best of times, the draft, Borrow's first few games and the worst. We won't go into that. But here's to 2021 a healthy Joe, uh, Penny, and a competent head coach. Who day? Go on, Sean. Uh, it was it was an interesting year. I mean, we'll probably do like a look back of the year podcast. Actually, that might be quite depressing. Actually, but uh, do you, how? I mean, you were super excited when Burrow got drafted, weren't you? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. Rare that you get a player with that caliber and the sort of pizzazz that was around him. I mean, I watched some of those um, games just leading up to the sort of college football playoffs and obviously the national championship. And you watch a player with that that poise. I remember when he hung up seven touchdowns in that semi-final game, and you think, Jesus Christ! Like we stood there, number one. This geezer's coming straight to us, and everything there, everything about Joe Burrow there is to like. He's a great lad. He's got. He says the right things. He's got all the leadership skills you want in a quarterback. He's got unbelievable accuracy, good mobility. His arm strength's solid. It's probably not. That's his only one knock. Probably that that's not like on a Justin Herbert level, sort of elite in that respect. But he is a fantastic player. And not only did he have all that hype coming in, you could tell in the sort of nine, nine and a half games, ten games, whatever he played for us, he lived up to the hype. And I think that if he can come back strong, healthy, that he will fulfil the excitement that we had for him uh, when he was drafted. So that's been the obvious, as Sean said, the the real thing to sort of hold on to as we move into next year. Yeah, I agree. And there's a, there was a report from the surgeon. He was on Adam Schefter's podcast uh, today saying, because I think he operated on uh, Saquon Barkley and uh, one, which Bosa brother went down with injury? Was it Nick or Joey? I think it was Nick, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But he says all of those guys are on track and he's been really happy with how the operations went and they, they should all be on track to play or at least be ready for the start of next season. So that's if that's true, and I know that you know injuries and recovery can differ from person to person, but that's certainly an encouraging uh, uh, sign, I would say. Um, Rosie at Rosie underscore May. Uh, 16. Merry Christmas to everyone. Looking forward to the new year, seeing what the off-season brings and getting a healthy burrow back. Who day? Indeed. Go on, Rosie. Who day? Uh, Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688. Another poor show. Time to say goodbye to the current head coach. I hope everyone has a safe and peaceful Christmas and look forward to 2021. We all strive for a better tomorrow. Very 
lyrical Stuart. Now, uh, Stuart. Stuart is well known for getting his clothes off, and um, there has been talk about a, a kind of a full Monty style Bengals UK calendar for twenty twenty one. Was that would that be something that you would hang up in your in your private room, Nathan? <laughs> well, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> okay. Uh, warrior at Warrior Nate ninety nine. I solid it, handle. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Zach's got to go. Can't bring myself to watch the Squealers game live, which I always do. Have a great Crimbo lads, and keep up the great work. We'll try. Do you know, and it's a good point, Nate. It's a good point because that game on Monday. Every, I always stay up for it, especially Bengal Steelers. To my, for my sins, I stay up for them, and they never win on bloody Monday nights and all those games. And you, you go to bed at five in the morning, and you wake up for work at eight in the morning. And you feel like a bag of a bag of shit, and I just, I don't know if I can justify. It. And I, I, I hate watching them pre-recorded. It, you lose the vibe, and you know you end up just sort of skipping through it, and you always got to try and avoid finding out the score and. But it, it's going to be. I'm going to have to see how I go on Monday night. But what are you stand up for it, son, or what are you what are you thinking? No, I, I just can't. As I mentioned in the interview, I can't. I just I'm not very good at late nights and working again. Um, in the morning, I've reached that age where I need to go to sleep at some stage. Um, if I had a day after day after, then yeah, I probably would, but I don't, so I'm not going to. And couple that with the whole kind of the way the team's playing and the likely outcome of uh, the Monday night game. I mean, I was secretly hoping that we're going to break rules and just flex it back into Sunday because yeah, do we really want to be exposed to national television on Monday? Do you know what though? This the devil's what happened is if I, if I stay up and watch it it'd be disgusting loss and they get beat by about 30 and I'd be like fuming when I go to bed. But I guarantee if I go to bed, wake up, check the score, they'd have done it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like a proper exciting last minute yeah. drive, Brandon Allen over to T Higgins, one Andy grab, beat the Steelers, you know, potentially cost them first place in the AFC North. Um, it'd be fabulous. <laughs> I just... I don't know. That's what the, the, that thought alone might be enough to keep me up Monday night. I think. I mean, imagine if they. I mean, I do think. It, who knows what's going to happen? But you'd like to think that they would just be so angry and so fed up with everything that's been going on, everything that's gone that could have gone wrong has gone wrong this year, um, and they t- absolutely take it to the Steelers, who have lost twice in a row now. They're looking fallible. I mean, it's highly unlikely, but you just, I, I don't know, you still hold, I don't know, I do at least anyway, you still hold it out hope for one last performance this season, really. Go on, the Bengals. <laughs> do you not share my optimism? No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it's a sport, there's there's always a chance in any sport game, isn't there? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy putting my own money on it, really, but... Um, yeah, there's a chance. I mean, I, if Brandon Allen's playing, I, w- I certainly wouldn't be backing it. But, you know, if Ryan Finley's going out, I don't think. But the thing is, the Steelers have lost two games in a row. They don't want to lose momentum going into the playoffs. They'll be hungry for it. They fancy themselves. I think it's going to be a big ask for us, uh, especially against their defence. I think against poor defences, we could move the ball and score points. But I think the Steelers are going to give us a hard time. Um, but, you know, I think the spread's 13 points, probably fair. Um, we'll have to see how it goes. 
Yeah, exactly. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, right, Odat at DZE. What, in your opinion, has Zach done in two years to earn a third year? And what the heck is Mackenzie Alexander doing with those white knee-length socks on? He looks just plain odd. I haven't clocked that, uh, Danny. I haven't at all um, with Mackenzie Alexander. We we'll have to look out for it. I'm a fan of the uh, tube sock. I must say, I am a fan of the tube sock. You know, those sort of long uh, white socks that uh, skateboarders wear. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to, I haven't noticed McKenzie. Have you noticed that at all on McKenzie? No, I haven't. That's a good spot. He's actually been playing okay this year. I think he's he's done okay. Uh, played quite well, I think, McKenzie Alexander. Uh, now to the other question. Uh, what, in your opinion, has Zach done in two years to earn a third year, Nathan? <laughs> you put me on a spot there, yeah. <laughs> I um, you, well, that's the problem, isn't it? The fact that I'm on the spot trying to answer this question is is a problem. And it, if you're just going to, obviously, with any coach, it's hard to measure their total impact on the team. We're not in the locker room. We don't sit there in the meetings with Duke Tobin, Mike Brown, Casey Blackburn etc to sort of learn about what's going on the visions what they're trying to implement Zach's had a lot of injuries he's had unbelievable man if you look at who's on IR for us at the moment the list is as long as your leg I mean it's outrageous you've got some of your best players and and joined by one more today as well yeah and we'll get on to Gino bless him but it's horrible and obviously both years he's had Rotten luck with that, and you can make a lot of excuses, and they'd be ju- they'd be justified as excuses. Any coach would struggle, but the the problem is is the exact question itself is what have you seen that would want you to keep him? We know he's had a rough ride, and the only thing he's really got is four wins and a draw against the Eagles, so he's got that to his name, and he's got the fact that if you want to argue this, that Jesse Bates has turned out to be an exceptional player. Now, whether that's because of Zach's coaching, positional coaches, or the fact he's just a very good player when he was drafted about three years ago, you could say that. But other than that, it's hard to pinpoint anyone that's really sort of come on. It's hard to say the, the offense that we're watching week in, week out is exciting, it's innovative, it's different. It, it, there's nothing there for me that I look at with optimism from a game planning week-to-week sort of standpoint that would make me say, we need to bring this guy back. I mean, C. Joe Zama came on this podcast about four or five weeks ago, and he really made a strong case for Zach. And it wasn't a bullshit media thing where you felt like he was just saying it because the journalists were hounding him and he had to say it. It felt very sincere. Um, He talked about other players thinking the same thing. And there's been disconnect in the locker room this year. Obviously, we have Carlos Dunlap and a few other players, you know, through the reports that have potentially been unhappy as well. And when I heard CJ say that, I believed him. And I thought, you know what, if he's saying that, I I really hope it works out for Zach. Zach's a nice guy, personally. He's a young guy. You want him to succeed. He's our coach. You, You know, you've got to be behind him. Certainly, you know, that's the original aim is we want this guy to do well. But it is really hard to sit there where we are now with three games to go and say... We want this team to win games next year. We want to win a Super Bowl in the next three or four years with Joe Burrow at the helm. Is Zach Taylor the best guy to do it? And I really don't think you can say that he is. I think that unless anything crazy changes or 
whatever else, I have a hard time saying it. I mean, he's a young rookie sort of coach coming in, inexperienced, bit of a gamble really, um, which is fine. And I think a lot of people wanted that after what we'd had with Marvin Lewis. It was a long road with Marvin and I think the sort of sex had worn out by the end of it. And Zach Taylor is a new, young, exciting lad, fresh coming in with some new ideas off the Sean McVay tree. Most fans were really excited about it. They thought it was a good appointment. He got rave reviews in the press. As every, you know, everyone was excited. But I just think we have to sort of, at this point, um, I think that we might have to cut our losses if it's for me. Um, what about yourself, my son? I'm, I'm, I'm still the same as last week, really, because I don't think play, three play, three different players fumbling football is his fault. Uh, and I just think everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong uh and some of them haven't been his fault and so i would i would give him i mean the seat is extremely warm don't get me wrong because some of the stats out there are horrendous he's he's made a, a worse start than dave shuler uh in the first two years of his job and that is really saying something um his win percentage is kind of i was gonna say up there but you know down there whatever with some of the worst sort of hires in history, you know what I mean? It's um, it's not good optics, really isn't. And um, I've seen a few things that I quite like the stuff that he's done behind the scenes, actually, in in sort of modernising various elements of the the club. I think that was what was needed. But of course, no one really cares about that. They just want to see results on the field, and we obviously haven't seen that. So I'm still thirty uh, percent. In favour of keeping him, seventy percent in favour of perhaps letting him go. But I still want him to succeed. Uh, but it just depends how long he's he's going to get given. And and I th- I I genuinely don't think that he's going to go at the end of the season. However, I do think that there does need to be some changes, though. You know, I think that I would have agreed with you a couple of weeks ago in saying that you know whatever happened that he probably would be there, even though there'd be a lot of people saying that he should go. But I think the climate and the temperature and the the, ma- the manner in which some of these last couple of games we've lost have occurred, I think that I think the fact that it's going to be a very, very hard sell to the fans. And the, the problem is, is if we're just looking at it from a results perspective, and if you take the fact that Zach's a really nice guy out of the equation. Oh, yeah, and that's what it's got to be. It's yeah, got to be. It, it absolutely you know, has to be. A lot of fans have got animosity towards him because some of the stuff in the past and whatever else, and that's fine. And well, he, here's a question for you, right? If Jim Turner was the same personality that he is, and you know, we all know what he's like. He's quite belligerent, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was getting results on the field and making this line better. You know, getting the best out of this offensive line. You know, I think there would be. I think it's fair to say that a lot of people say, okay. I don't like the guy, but he's getting results, right? And it's kind of the opposite with Zach. I really like the guy, but he's not getting results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the same question is, like, if Jim Turner was the head coach of this team and he'd won this many games, you know, someone like yourself who's on the fence and potentially other people are pro-Zach, how could you, you know, would it be the same thing there? And I think that's the issue, isn't it? Zach's a nice guy. And like you said, ultimately, it's like, are we going to win more games? Now, my big concern is you bring Zach back, we probably next year, if Joe Burrow is healthy, you get the nut, the third overall pick in the draft. You've got tons of money to spend in free agency. Me and you could coach that team with Joe Burrow, some quality coordinators, 
and probably still get six, seven wins, honestly, because he's that good, Joe Burrow. And, you know, you're going to get some quality free agents. You're going to get a player like Panay Sewell, or however you pronounce the name, coming in um, at the tackle position, which shores that up. You're going to get all these guys back from injury, Jonah Williams, um, DJ Reader, hopefully Mackenzie, um, McKe- uh, Mackenzie Alexander comes back. You get Trey Waynes back from injury, Joe Mixon back from injury. Like The team will be quite good. The issue is with Zach Taylor, is he going to make Joe Burrow and this team better or is he going to hinder it? And that's the problem. And I do not think that after what we've seen for two years, you could say with confidence that he's going to turn a, a team that on average might be over under eight wins next year. That probably, I reckon, maybe seven or eight wins would be the sort of over under for this team. I don't think you could be confident in saying he's going to turn an eight-win team into a 10-win team. I think it's more likely he's going to turn an eight-win team into a six-win team. So I think that, you know, and then do we say, oh, next year, well, we won six games this year. It was somewhat competitive. We've got a couple of division wins. Like, let's Mm. keep him for another year. I just, you can't hold the progress of this team back by setting such a low bar. You know, some coaches have been fired far, far quicker than two years' worth of progress. I mean, Hugh Jackson, in his first year with the Raiders, got sacked on an 8-8 eight and eight season. Granted, they had a team that was probably more prepared to win. <clears throat> but it's still like you can't... How long of a leash do you give? Because I think to ask him next year to be like, well, you have to have a winning season, you know, that's a tough ask. And if he doesn't get that and he has another losing season, but he's 7-9 and nine or something, how can you keep a coach that for three years hasn't had a winning season, really. Mm. So no, I, agree. I get I mean, he's I young say... and I get he's going to learn. And he may well be a great NFL head coach one day. He's about 37, the geezer, you know, but he hasn't had much coordinator experience. He's never been a head coach before. He, will, he would have learned a ton of lessons from this. And I, if Mike Brown says, look, I seriously believe in this lad. And I really think that if I give him five years, he's going to end up being a stellar head coach. Mm. It's bold move, but that might be the rationale. It might be from Mike Brown. Um, I'm I'm not saying that his seat isn't hot. It's really, it's you know, there's sort of you know buttock blisters being you know being found on his ass at the moment because the seat is that hot. But I don't know. Uh, I just think Mike will keep him. Really, um, I would like, to, as I say, I would like to see. It needs a bit of a shake up because when the, as I said last week. When the amount of things that could go wrong have gone wrong in the past two years, you almost need a bit of a shake-up just to breathe new energy into the whole kind of locker room. Do you know what I mean? And um, I don't know. We're going to be talking about this for the rest of the season, really, let's face it, and you know, into next year, no doubt. So it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious from Twitter that you know 95% of, of Bengals fans... I've had enough, really. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but, of course, you know, that might also be the end of Gino in Cincinnati with him going on IR. He's has. I mean, the, the move to IR and the shoulder surgery certainly confirms the reason why he hasn't been playing that many snaps a game or when he has been in, not registering any kind of meaningful stat at all. Um, and it's just a case now whether they're going to keep him because... You know, if they do decide to draw a line under it, um, uh, they'll save some money on uh, their cap space, and maybe that's the that's what they got, that's what they've got to look to now to for a, a real rebuild for next year. You know. Yeah, I think for I think this season 
when you look at the young talent the Bengals have accumulated with the draft, a lot of these older veteran players like AJ Green, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, I think it's time to really transition from that sort of Marvin's era of players who were all unbelievable contributors for this team and that shouldn't be forgotten. But I think players like, and including Giovanni Bernard, may have seen the end of their tenure. I think that you look at what we've got in Trevion Williams, who's getting a bit of a chance now. He's on a sort of much cheaper contract than Gio. I think the Bengals are going to say, look, if we can save some money here, we could seriously be aggressive in the off-season, get some quality free agency, and we're going to have the third overall pick. Let's build out a big team of quality young players and build for the future. So I just think for players like Gino, for players like AJ, they're not contributing the same as what you would need them to do when you're paying them that sort of money. You know, we're paying them to be quality pro bowl near level for uh, contributors to the team. And it, it's just not happening. Um, and obviously for Gino, that's injury related, but I just think it's time for the Bengals to clean house of the older veterans, put that money into some new, younger, hungrier guys that are ready to sort of prove themselves draft well, and then see where this takes us. Yes, um, it'll be interesting. I know Paul Dana and Jay Morrison have been uh, speaking about potential uh, uh, possibilities for new head coaches, um, all that kind of stuff. So the the chat is definitely um, uh, out there and circulating. I would be I would be absolutely falling off my chair, loving life if we got Mike Zimmer in to be our head coach. I would absolutely love it. Well, you never know. I've not listened to hear that podcast growling yet, so I'm not quite sure who they came up with, but um, I I will do. Um, Okay, we'll be back next week, and it'll be a Tuesday night because obviously we're playing on the Monday night. We are having our Christmas episode. Yes, this was the entree to our main course next week. This was the prawn cocktail to next week's roast dinner. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, you it made you feel a little bit festive. We're, we're getting into it now. So we've got one week to go of our uh, Advent calendar fan videos. They'll be all over social media. Uh, your Christmas charity raffle is on until tomorrow. That's Thursday, the 17th of December. So get your skates on. Um and we are having uh, our Christmas episode uh, next Tuesday night. And if it's anything like past Christmas episodes, they'll be singing, they'll be drinking, there'll be party games and a really special guest that I hope you guys... Well, I'm hoping, I'm touching wood here. I'm hoping that the the request uh, comes to fruition because he'll be great uh, next week for a special Christmas treat. Uh, but until that time, I hope you enjoyed Rose Lavelle as much as we did. Big thanks to Rose again and Merry Christmas to her. Um, but yeah, we'll be back Tuesday night. Hopefully uh, the Monday nights before won't be as excruciating as we're kind of imagining it now at the moment. Um, but until then, dear listeners, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.